Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Edward Assel, as always, sitting here with Arthur Black. What's going on, guys? Beer, beer, beer. Yeah, today we're back to beer, which Indiana is definitely becoming a big beer town, but uh, or big t- beer town. It's more than a town. It's a, it's whole, a whole state. state. Yeah. Uh, our guest today <laughs> is the founder uh, of Sun King Brewery, who is uh, seems to be taking over the Midwest when it comes to beer. And uh, welcome to the show, Clay Robinson. Hi, Ed. Thanks for having me. Hello, Arthur. Hello. So, uh, yeah, we're back to beer again because it's really hard to avoid, like I said in the intro. But, um, you know, speaking of hard to avoiding, hard, harding to, ugh, I can't speak today. It's, and too many drinks last night, That's Ed. exactly what I was getting ready to say. I, like, I had way too many cocktails last night. Uh, what did you have to drink last night, Arthur? Oh, what do I have to drink? Well, I'm drinking uh, Sun King Wee Mac right now. Yeah, I've got uh, a pachanga. Which is delicious. But I, what did I drink last night? Um, oh, I, I just had a, a, a Napa Valley um, cab. So pretty straightforward. That's like just. three episodes in a row where you've had like California wine the night before. Really? Yeah, usually that's, you're in more old world. That's fucked up. I better change that. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll work on that next time. How about you, Clay? I'm, I'm going to guess that it was beer. It was beer, and it was Sun King. Um, no, I had, a, I had a few of our 00 Session, which is a IPA collaboration we did with Revolution Brewing in Chicago. Oh, right on. So I had a few of those, and I'm fresh off of 36 straight hours on the couch. Uh, nice. So, well, yeah, you look uh-huh. well, well rested. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Beat on Friday. Were you like Netflixing it or something? Uh, actually, I stayed at a friend's place because my house was rented for the NCAA or the Big Ten game, and a buddy of mine was out of ha- out of town, so I stayed on his couch, and he had HBO Go, so I watched. Oh uh, yeah, we got that. I watched. Um, the, there's a new show they have out about New York in like the 1970s and pornograph. Pornograph. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that? What's, uh, uh, second. It's like James Franco's. Yeah, the show, right. Yeah, I haven't watched any of it yet, but I hear it's, it's great. good. It's yeah. really good. So, so I was since I was I was going to Netflix, but then I was like, oh, he's got HBO, so I'm going to watch nice. HBO all weekend long because nice. I don't have HBO. So. So Ed assumed you were drinking beer, and you were. Um, <laughs> what do I drink when I'm not drinking beer? I was just about to say, do you get sick of beer? your mind. Um, uh, it's I mean, not a hard mind to I, read. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love beer. It's it's why I got into this, and I mean, I, I'm kind of I'm about to hit my 19th year in the professional brewing industry. So I started when I was 24. Doesn't that hurt to say that shit when you're like, well, 20 years ago uh-huh. I bought these pair of shoes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I, I've been oh doing God. it for almost two decades, and I do it honestly because I love it. And one of the things that gets me through most of the days is knowing that there's a delicious beer at the end of it, or sometimes <laughs> or in the middle, middle of it. The middle of it. Um, I like to say at the end of it, it makes me sound more responsible now that I'm. Older. Please um, check our Instagram feed for some of the uh, epic beer dispensers they uh, have here in the brewery. Uh, so, um, so occasionally I get tired of it. When I do, I, I drink some wine from time to time. I like uh, I like some dry whites. I like some uh, some red wines, a cab or a zin or a blend, and I do some cocktails. I like a I like a good margarita a lot. So I've seen you have some cocktails yeah. when you come into one uh, of our restaurants. I do. I do often have some cocktails, but it's usually bookended by beer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm contractually obligated yeah, 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 to drink beer at every setting and speak about beer relentlessly. Well, you're, you get the right platform for that today. Uh, as I mentioned, I drank everything last night. Um, Where were you? I went to Thunderbird. Um, so I was hanging out with Joshua Gonzalez, and so um, they're getting ready. All of his drinks. Well, they're getting ready to roll out a new menu next week, and so I'd had a lot of the drinks on the current menu, but I. Got to dip into the new menu. I hadn't tried any of those yet. Man, it's they were delicious. After the fourth one, I don't remember them as much. I know I finished with daiquiris, you know which is no surprise. You know, like it was at that point. I'm like, just send daiquiris until I tell you to stop. A little on the boozy side. I, I should have let somebody else tell the server to stop instead of me mm-hmm. making that decision. But no, it was fun. Uh, I had a meeting with um, our interior designer. So, um, what better place to do it at a bar? Interior designer for what? Uh, my home, but she also has designed uh, Rook twice because so we relocated. This wasn't so. for your new place, the Inferno Room. No, uh, but she they did used to work together. So that's how we got hooked up with our, the, the designer for the Tiki Bar. Okay, yeah. cool. But uh, yeah, we're, we're talking beer, not cocktails. Yeah. Um, Sun King's got a pretty badass story. Um, I, we were talking off mic a little bit, but um, 
right after I opened my first restaurant is when you opened this brewery, and it was very small. And what you had like seven or eight people, I think, at the time. Uh, there were four of us. To four of you start. starting out. Yeah, we got a part-time employee like three or four months in, and then another part-time employee, and one of those became full-time, and another part-time, and it went from four to five to six to ten to twelve to twenty to twenty-five to today sixty. Yeah, five sixty full timers. Yep, sixty full time people. I mean, we're I mean we're we're a production brewery, but we have tasting rooms, obviously, and we also um, you know we we do all of our production. We've got office and back of the house support, and we've got a marketing team, and we've got a community development team. We've got an art department and things like that. That's so insane because being here that week before you opened, it was just no, standing here in the brew house. But it's not only that; it was really uh, it was good timing with the kind of craft beer movement really starting yeah. to take a hold across the country. Um, and on top of that, there was just kind of this, um, a little bit of a changeover. You know, there was there was younger guys coming in in their 30s and starting to open their own businesses. And some of the older guys were starting to retire, or just kind of getting yeah. tired of it. But um, beyond that, uh, you know, up to that point, I remember the 90s, I mean, the hell, the first place I ever, ever drank a beer um, was, I was definitely not 21. Right. Um, and so we went to a brew pub so that, cause we figured how many like 19 year olds are walking into a brew pub. The first time you drank alcohol was at a brew pub. Did I say the first time I drank alcohol? I'm sorry. First time I drank in a bar. That's what I meant to say. No, okay. All right. No, no, no. Cause like the first time I drank alcohol was like wild Irish rose or some shit like that. The first time I drank alcohol was actually with a, a buddy of mine when we were probably in fifth grade and his dad had a liquor cabinet. Yeah. The best part of this story is that he is now a priest at the Vatican. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. Wow. Surprisingly, yeah, one of my You've good gone friends is a priest. Completely separate <laughs> right. we, in so many ways. Yes, we have. So Clay, the first time uh, you drank alcohol? The first time I drank alcohol, I was four years old and I would steal sips from my grandfather's beer. He would leave it and so that's on what the happened. side table. It is. And I would, my parents joke about it now, but like he had he drank the Michelob, the stubby ones with the foil on top. Yeah. And like I don't know whether it was a shiny foil or this is what it was my grandpa drank, but I'd kinda like sneak behind the easy boy chair and when he wasn't looking, I'd steal sips and i do it all the time and i get yelled at like stop it that's not for you that's an adult beverage you know the but i always just steal just always steal sips of beer from my grandpa and i i'm one of those kids who like i liked beer and apparently now <laughs> right uh, if, if i was if i was four then now 39 years later i still really like beer nice so thing i don't get tired anybody of uh sniff glue before they drank beer anyone no it wasn't a oh. big glue sniffer no <laughs> fucking pussies all it was right. easier to get weed <laughs> like, I was like, I would have to go to a hardware store to go get glue. I could just ask my buddy, hey, man, do you have a joint? <laughs> so Ed made reference to the uh, the facility here, and it's it's extremely impressive. If no one has ever – you guys you, – you do tours yeah, here, right? Yeah, we do right? tours. Yeah, this is amazing property. Like, I've, I've been to countless wineries and distilleries and breweries um, around the world in my, my career, and um, walking around this place, the organization, the um, – the cleanliness yeah, of it. Yeah, this is definitely and, the cleanest facility I've been walked through. And the creativity, mm -hmm. like the the innovation and the the imagination, you can Thanks. just kind of feel walking through this place. You definitely need to come here and experience a tour. It's it's an amazing property that that continuously becomes more and more amazing because they they you guys invest a lot of your money back mm -hmm. into the business. Yeah, the right? whole the whole goal from the beginning was actually, and even when we got our investors, was that you're not going to get a return on your investment for some time because in order to grow a business, we need to take all of the money that comes in, we need to put it back into the business, and we need to reinvest in better equipment, equipment that makes more beer, innovation, um, jobs, and people that make more beer. And <laughs> I just like that making, approach. Like, yeah. give us some money, you won't get it back. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, they all do it. He's just being honest yeah, no, about but it. So many, so many people actually. Before before Sun King, I had written a half dozen business plans, and they were all for bars, restaurants, a nightclub, rock and roll things. Um, really trying to figure out what what I could do because I was a I was a service industry kid. I got my first job bussing tables in uh, Crawfordsville when I was 18 years old, and I worked through 
a busser, server, then bartender. And then after the college, I worked in restaurants. I worked at Roscoe's Tacos in Greenwood and worked in the kitchen there. And I was always in the industry. And I was That's always, because all the hippies worked at Roscoe's Tacos. That's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> me as a hippie, damn it. Um, but if you well, look at the picture, you've got the beard trimmed up. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, um, where was Roscoe's? Uh, it's still there. It's, yeah, uh, when I was there, it was on Fair. Fairfield and 135 yeah, yeah. over by the Meyer there up north of it. But, but yeah, so I, I'd written other business plans and whenever I would, I would always put in these enticing elements of it about like how we were going to grow and how much money we would make and all these things. And I would take them to friends of my father who were business people or my, my roommate at the time, his dad was a East coast business guy. And every time I'd show it to him, they would just crush my nuts. Like I would leave a meeting with this person who's had business experience just completely demoralized because they'd be like, okay, well I see, you know, you get here to year three and you've got these big jumps right here, but how do you justify those big jumps and what's going on to what's going on to cause your business to accelerate in that way? And how really do you think that you're going to get this type of return when you've got here? And I think that you're missing this and that. And I literally, like I, so for like five or six business plans, I just got the shit kicked out of me. So when and I wrote, had crushed nuts. Yeah. When I wrote the Sun King business plan, it was bare bones brass tax. I took it down to the total base level. Dave and I were the only people with salaries in it. Um, and there were, there were elements of growth, but all the growth was really modest. I mean, our goal for our fifth year was to do 5,000 barrels of beer, which is 10,000 kegs of beer and grow from 500 barrels to 5,000 barrels over five years. And so, and, and with that, with our investors, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to come back out of that and everything needed to go into growth. And we grew faster than we ever imagined. Um, and we had to put more money back in than we ever imagined. So thankfully, you know, we've got a good reputation and we're good with our bills and we've got a great bank partner and we've got good line of credits and we have the ability to grow and continue to reinvest. But, um, you know, what ended up happening was we did 500 barrels our first six months. We did 5,000 barrels our first full year. So we like to joke that I'm a really shitty business planner because, uh, because I totally <laughs> missed the boat. Um, and then, and then there, so it was 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 20, 25, 27,000, 30,000, 35,000. Now, 36,000. You you've blown up and, and I have really think, quickly. Yeah. I mean, very quickly. And it, it's quality to the product. It's, it, you have an awesome marketing strategy, um, and, and, and presence here locally. Who came up with the name Sun King? Uh, my partner, Dave. So Dave, Dave is a, a, a creative genius in a lot of ways. He's a really great uh, brewer in general. And we work together and Dave Colt and myself are the two co-founders. So we hatched this idea together while working in a separate brewery together. And the essence of what we wanted to do when we opened our own brewery was to make as many seasonal and specialty beers as possible. So we wanted to have... <laughs> it's a satisfying sound. Um, so we wanted to have, we wanted to do as many seasonal beers as possible. Actually, we started trying to plan a brew pub, um, but we couldn't between the cost to open a brewery and the cost to open a restaurant and the failure rate of restaurants and trying to get people to invest in That's that That's the smartest thing I think that you guys did. And mm -hmm. you changed the face of brewing in Indiana at the time that you did that because nobody, especially in downtown Indianapolis, no one was attacking it from that angle. Yeah. Everyone wanted to open a brew pub. And we had a number of brew pubs in the 90s, yeah. and they all shut shop. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, everything was closed. There's places on the north side. To, uh, on, in Greenwood, Oak Barrel still open. Yeah. They're still rolling, but I think they might be one of the last few that's not a chain that's still around. And when you went into this, you... I remember having a conversation with you yeah. a decade ago. It was damn the, near, that You were like, we don't want to do any of that, but you just mentioned we don't want to be in the restaurant business. That's not what we do. Uh, and so you're production only. And I was like, okay, so, but how are, you gonna, how are we going to get the beer out? And you said to me, well, it makes no sense for me to try to get marketing and go out there and hit the pavement to try to get people to come to drink the beer at our brew pub when we can just go out and go to the places that they already love mm -hmm. and just talk to the owners and say, will you pick up our beer? Yeah. So, and that was now the, that's common. That was just super common. That was the light bulb moment was the whole, like, wait a second. We have, we have good brew pubs all over, but if you want to get a local beer, you have to travel to get a local beer and no one was selling local beer to bars and restaurants. So you couldn't go down the street to your favorite place and have a local beer that literally a decade ago, you couldn't go down the street and have a beer at your, a, a local beer at your, at your favorite local bar. No, so, not at all. Um, so yeah, so we want to do seasonal beers and uh, we looked at a bunch of different names and naming a brewery is like naming a band, um, like naming anything anymore now with 
the internet and so many different people doing so many different things throughout the country. And so we'd come up with cool names, but then we'd go to the internet because we still do it with all our beer names. You go to the internet and you put it in and you're like, ah, crap, somebody in Washington or Texas or Idaho has already done that. And uh, we had the next best name we had for Sun King because we wanted to do seasonality was Solstice. Um, no, no, yeah, no, you're right. And, and so, but it was like, okay, well, solstice, it's kind of the essence of the season. And the only market research I actually did in the history of Sun King was to go talk to people about, uh, some word associations and work on our name and try to get that, that piece of our, of our marketing, right. So we could get the name right. And, um, inevitably when I would ask people about solstice, they would have kind of a blank look. People have no idea what it is because we're not connected. You know, paganism isn't dead, but we're not connected no, it, to I'm, that element. I'm a, of not at this table. <laughs> That was, that was a bone I threw to you, softball. I'm um, a huge pagan, and I still don't understand the solstice. It's yeah. like the cloud. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Don't get him on a cloud again. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so... So, uh, so uh, actually, the, the, the final straw, I asked my dad, I said, so what do you think about uh, Solstice as a brewery name? And he looked at me and he goes, what the fuck is a Solstice? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. So then Dave and done I would show that Solstice was too esoteric and we needed something a lot more Sun simple. King is fucking um, awesome. Yeah, so Dave came in one day and he goes, and I'm famous for being the guy who said, that's a great name for a brewery if you're in Southern California, Colorado, or Arizona. Um, so I didn't love it at first. I liked it, but I just didn't know if it fit here. And so he, I come into work one day. We're at that brewery downtown that we worked at. And uh, I come in and he goes, I got it. And like Dave gets these weird inspirational moments, mowing the lawn, taking a shower, a dump, just like the rest of us. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, taking a shit. Uh-huh. No, yeah, well, I said it. dump. I went dump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I was like, what is it? He goes, the name for our brewery. And I was like, okay, yeah, what, what you got? You know, it's morning. I'm not very on in the morning. And he's like, it's Sun King. And I go... Yeah. It's like, you know, the sun, it's the center of our solar system. It gives life to everything that makes beer and everything that we know and love. So it's King, Sun King. And I said, yeah, that's a great name for a brewery if you're in Phoenix. Denver, <laughs> somewhere where the sun shines all the time. And Dave is a very dry smart ass still to this day. And he literally grabbed me by my sweatshirt and drug me to the front windows of our brewery. And it was like one of those gray Indiana March mornings, but the sun was kind of peeking through. And he's like, what's that? And I'm like, what? And he goes, you know, Peeking through the clouds, the fiery ball in the sky, I go, it's the sun, Dave. And he goes, yes, Clay, the sun shines on everyone, even us lowly Hoosiers. And I literally looked at him and I just nice. go, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and then nice. we started our day and my sister runs a PR company in Denver and I've been passing a bunch of stuff by her. She still does some of our PR stuff for Your us. Your sister's great. She's fantastic. I love that girl. She's a super badass. And I called her and I said it and she goes, well, yeah, but like you don't need to, like if you name your at brewery College Avenue Brewery because you're on College Avenue, if you, I know you only want to sell beer in Indiana, but what if one day right. you sell beer in Chicago, you shoot yourself you sell beer in Chicago, foot. you know, or you call it Fountain Square. Not that there's anything wrong with Fountain Square, but Fountain Square doesn't resonate outside of maybe Indianapolis. It doesn't even resonate in Fort Wayne or no, no sorry, Bill and anyone at Fountain Square. It's just like Indianapolis Brewing Company probably would have been a better example. But like you try to sell Indianapolis Brewing Company beer in the 1800s, they sold it all over the world. You try to sell that shit in Chicago right now and people are going to be like, why do we want that? Right. So, did so, you just call out one person in Fountain Square, Bill? Well, Bill's one of the founders Bill of Fountain Square, Fountain Square yeah. Brewery. So. Okay, okay. I'm like, okay, sorry, John. (laughs) No, no, Bill's one of the founders of Fountain Square, and, uh, you know, I'm not picking on Fountain Square. I I love what they do, and, and, you know, Fountain Square is a great neighborhood, but that just doesn't. We'd like to think so. It just doesn't resonate. (laughs) It's come so, again, Fountain Square, Fletcher Place. Yeah. Think about this town 10 years ago. Well, that was when we had that conversation 10 years ago was, Mm -hmm. like, we were getting ready to open our first restaurant, and a not-so-polished uh, neighborhood of Fountain mm-hmm. Square. Nothing had really happened down there yet. You were getting yeah. right open on this weird industrial section of College Avenue. Nobody knew where the corner of College and Market was yeah. eight, nine years ago. And now it's, I mean, your tasting room alone is baller. Thanks. I mean, just Thanks. installed food and all kinds of stuff. It's very cool. It's it's a great story, like, how fast this has happened. Thanks. Um, and I, I have to assume that it, it comes down to, you know, you do good work, you do a good job, good people good shit will come to you that's always been the hope dave and i talk a lot you know and it's like our intentions for what we do are pure it's something that we love to do you know you're in wine and spirits because you love wine and spirits you're a restaurateur because you love the industry and so you know we all Hopefully, if you're lucky, you do the things that you love. Some people do the things that they love, and they never find success their whole entire lives. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're we're very lucky people. I think Indianapolis is a city where you can be successful. I tried to get out for a long time and wanted to go to Denver or somewhere else. And if I had, I'd had to spend another decade or so like getting my feet underneath me before I could get back to a point where I might have the type of opportunities that I have here being from here. Well, I mean, it's guys like you that are helping make this city a lot cooler. You know, I mean... Um, 
that was the end result of it. I actually spent almost a decade trying to get out of here. I almost moved to Colorado several times. My sister's there. I had free places to stay. I had job offers. And at the end of the day, and like it was, it was kind of like uh, just when I thought I was out, they'd pull me back in. There'd be something that kept me here. And then at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I could go to these places that have cool shit that I'm into and that I want to that I want to bring do. back. Or I could stay here and bring cool shit to Indianapolis yeah. and help me instead of just saying, eh, nah, it's a, it's a, there's nothing going on in Indy. I'm leaving. I could go, hey, there's a bunch of cool stuff that should be going on in Indy. So how do I get involved in it? That's why we're involved with the community. It's why we're involved with yeah, your community music shows and huge. all of those things. So. Well, I just went to a, sh- you guys just sponsored the uh, Iron Diamond show all last right. week, right? Yeah. The, uh, King Diamond and Judas Vogue? pre-show, uh, Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi, yeah. Yep. That was a kick-ass show, Hi-Fi man. concert series. Yeah, I walked yeah. in, it was like, Sun King Presents. Mm-hmm. You but, sent me a, a text like six hours before that, like, let's go. <laughs> it's like, eh. well, I, To be fair, I also sent you a text like, what, three hours before we went to go see, um, God, who did we go see last time at the Vogue? He was just checking in on your was priorities, that the dude, Arthur. The, the, well, it was Phil Anselmo's um, Super Joint, but um, yeah, super well, joint. we went to go, Devil Driver. There you go. God, Devil and Driver killed it. They fucking killed it. They they did an awesome job. Um, speaking of awesome jobs, segue, uh, who does your graphics work? Because like, I want to get tattoos of all your shit. <laughs> your like, branding's amazing. Thanks. The branding is, is crazy. I think, I think I said it earlier, but uh, people say we're really great at marketing. I think we're idiot savants. So we, <laughs> we we have some good ideas. We get lucky. We I think we execute things well. Um, we pay a lot of attention to detail. So actually, the two packages that are in front of us and that we're enjoying today, the Wee Mac and the Pachanga, uh, are actually two different artists. So um, Wee Mac, uh, our original artist Shane Brown had been a friend for years. He worked at Rock Bottom with me uh, almost two decades ago, and he used to do one-off art for specialty beers and seasonal beers for me. And uh, he's now got a T-shirt shop and logo design place in Fountain Square. And um, so he was with us for almost seven years. He did the original logo. He did all of our original core beers. Um, and then when he went left to do his own thing, we started kind of fishing for some new artists and we landed on a guy named uh, William Denton Ray um, who's got a place at the Harrison Center. Um, you know the billboard on the FOP building when you're coming north on 65 with the little like blob characters that says loves you yeah, on yeah, it yeah. right is there he did that's his mural. Oh great. Um, so what's the FOP building? Fraternal Order of Police. Oh, oh, I like yeah. to speak in acronyms. Whom we I, love. I stay the away from there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the pachanga here is actually uh, was was a one of the packages that Billy Ray did, and we're now actually in the process. We actually redo all of our graphics every two years. So, like Sunlight, the first cans came out, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so awesome!" And then you start to look at it and you think about all the things that you could do differently. But producing a can, they produce cans at a rate of four thousand cans per minute um, with full like what? five color process printing. It's fucking insane. 4,000 um, 4, cans, cans a per minute. minute. At the Ball Factory in Monticello, Indiana, it's a, like a million square foot facility. They oh, have did you just say lines. they're called a Ball Factory? Yeah, Ball, you know, like the, the jars. Ball jars. Yeah, Ball ball, ball metal packaging. Are you is, so oblivious you don't even know what a Ball jar is? I'm just surprised yeah. that a place would call themselves a Ball Factory. Well, it's called Ball, and like, then it is a factory. So I don't know that they say hey, we're the ball, ball Factory. Okay, so uh, uh, in, little in, kids are like flocking there, like uh-huh. ah, oh, it's yeah. just in, jars. In <laughs> Napa, there's an institute that like um, it's the Ball Institute. <laughs> Might as well be love a good but ball study. It, it, it's it's a, a marketing organization, and it's called the Ball Sack Institute. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not fucking lying. Is it lying. in Sacramento? I, no, no. Like, I, okay. I swear to God, I'm not lying. And it's like, really? Ballsack Institute. You, you you never fucking put that together. Like, you never had a meeting and said, no, maybe I, we shouldn't Nobody call giggles. This. <laughs> right. Never. The, yeah, the right. Ballsack no Institute. No one in that committee at that conference table is like, um, uh, guys, um. They're like, I'm, when I'm, you I'm just tell someone where you here. work, you give someone a fucking card. Yeah, I'm Arthur Black. I work at the Ballsack Institute. Here you go. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> right, it's, it's man. fantastic. Well, to bring us back to uh, beer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> like, and graphical packaging. Well, you mentioned so. it. Um, about the cans when we before we got off on ball sacks here. Um, 
But no, that was a, that was huge as well because you were really instrumental, and that's even on a nationwide thing of mm-hmm. like implementing canning instead of bottling. Uh-huh. Uh, very early on, I mean, there was what People maybe we were crazy. fourteen breweries canning uh, like craft breweries na- nationwide. We were like the fifty third brewery to 53rd. can our beer. Okay, that's, that's what we kind of estimate. I mean, we might have been forty nine or fifty five, but it's right in the fifty ish range of breweries that were canning. And I know you were you were uh, really close with the Oscar Blues guys mm-hmm. um, who were pretty early on in that yep. as well. They were in the Denver. first. They were the they first were the ones. F- first and i think that it's i think they maybe started canning it was 18 or 20 years ago now when they started doing it i love dale from oscar blues is great he's become a friend over the years and um you know he's he's really genuine and and open and honest and he tells story and drops f-bombs and you know just talking to him and he's like when we started canning our beer people thought we were fucking crazy you know he's got this story where like you ran into I forget. Ran into somebody who runs an established like old school brewery and um, that bottles beer and now cans beer because they said they never would and they were like, "Oh, you're the can guy." <laughs> it's like derogatory term because people. When actually one of my favorite Sun King moments is uh, Indiana has a Brewers Cup. It's run through the state fair and it's a competition and every the, all the brewers enter every year and if you know we win some medals from time to time and um, and so uh, at our first one. We were we we won a medal. We actually won a gold medal for something. And Dave and I went up on stage to get the medal, and we got heckled by a woman in the audience. And we're walking on stage to get a gold medal for one of our beers, and we hear, "Your cans taste like shit." Heckling in a brewer's cup. Seriously, okay, um, but the beer we just got a medal for was canned, so it couldn't have tasted that much like shit. Like all of the beers we get medals for are cans, but totally just heckled. You stay classy, Uh San Diego. That was great. Um, But yeah, so when when we started doing it, it wasn't a common acceptable thing. It's been really interesting. I mean, that's part of the thing with growing a business and having to somewhat stay ahead of the curve. And we've talked about a lot of things. Well, you definitely were. I mean, because you've never bottled nothing. A single beer, and we still will not. I mean, we're dedicated to canning. We got a whole new can package line. So, for those um, listeners out there that don't understand why craft breweries are getting mm-hmm. into the canning instead of bottling, you want to speak oh, to that sure. a little bit? Well, because cans are a superior vessel for <laughs> beer. Um, I love this. I want to hear yeah. this. So, cans are a superior vessel for beer for a number of reasons. Um, the biggest factors are that the, the the greatest enemies of beer are sunlight, oxygen, and heat. Heat, you take care of in various elements, no matter whether you bottle or can. But sunlight, no matter how dark the glass of a bottle is, UV rays from even the fluorescent lights in this room will get through the bottle. At least 10% of UV rays get through the darkest brown bottle. So over time, beer becomes light struck, which causes it to have a skunky flavor. Goutte de um, Lumiere. The, the seal. Like green bottle beers. Yeah. So a can, bottles. I mean, yeah. a can is impervious to light. So, um, and then the seal on a can is actually metal on metal. So when you crimp a cap down, there's all those little ears. And those little ears actually can allow oxygen to work back in over time. Um, so I have friends who run breweries who bottle, um, larger breweries who bottle, and they now can. Um, and we've had conversations, and they're like, the minute you put beer in a bottle, it starts to deteriorate because of light and because of oxygen. Um, and so what we liked to say once we started canning is that a can delivers draft quality fresh beer inside of every single can and if you don't like the taste of aluminum technically they're all they're all they're all lined with a with a liner that keeps the beer from coming in contact with aluminum so we started doing blind taste tests a long time ago like I didn't take Osiris to a beer festival and this guy was like oh you know actually I think maybe we did have it on tap but he was talking about how it tasted better on tap out of a bottle and I grabbed two sample glasses and I poured one of each and I asked him to try them and he was like I like this one that's the draft one and I was like no that's the can one like you can't really fucking tell he it's sounds all- like a dick so um in a bottle of wine that little bit of headspace between liquid and cork is the eulage and there, there's a little bit of oxygen there there's a little bit of free mm-hmm. o2 in the solution and in, in, in the wine is there any headspace in a can of beer? Um, there is. There's a mild amount of headspace, but um, our canning line uh, does a double pre-ovac purge. Um, so it forces CO2 in, sucks everything out, forces CO2 in, sucks everything out, and then fills it with CO2 again. And then after it's full and there is, once it's full, we do what's called cap on foam. So there's foam over the top of it. Um, and uh, so basically there's a layer of foam over it. And then before the cap gets laid on it, it runs through a little area that also is CO2 too rich so the the goal with a beer is to actually can the beer with the least amount of oxygen in it possible right um, because that oxygen over time oxygen when oxygen gets in contact with beer it causes it to deteriorate in a way that makes it taste like wet cardboard um, 
So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, on top of the fact that you guys were really um, on the tip of the oh, tip of the iceberg, geez. Again, my my brain's cloudy, but um, on the forefront of like canning, you know, when there was not that many craft brewers canning, you actually have organized and now host a really yeah. large beer fest here in Indianapolis it's called all the, about cans. the Sun King Canvitational. That's right. And so it's only microbreweries that yeah. can beer? Or? It's craft breweries that can their beer from all over the country. Um, we started doing it. It's the This past year was the fifth year. And it was something that, you know, there, it's a it's a multi-fold kind of concept. And one, we live in Indianapolis. And so it's not often, unless somebody's into racing or some form of professional sport, that they're like, oh, I want to go to Indianapolis. So we, we have friends from all over the country. And we'll talk about Indy. And they're like, oh, I'd love to go to Indy. But they don't have any reason why. Except for um, great restaurants, so, great cocktails, well, yeah. great. <laughs> but, that's, <laughs> but that's not the thing that people think of. And like when I talk to people, totally. so I'm on certain levels, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm literally sitting here looking at the, a blown up cover of a Visit Indy Visitor's Guide that I'm on uh, there with Gary Brackett on and Ed Carr. Carpenter and oh damn and look at that beard um so um but like you know we've on a lot of levels because of being the being early on in the craft beer revolution here and really elevating the game if you will and 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 being high a little bit more high profile and winning national and international awards for our beers we've become something that visit indy's been proud of and Indy is something that I'm proud of. I mean, the stuff that you're doing yeah. and, and, and the restaurant scene. And, you know, we talked about it. Part of the reason that we're successful at Sun King is a whole tide of the local movement and young entrepreneurs. And it's not just like if Sun King were the only thing that happened eight, nine years ago, then it, you know, we probably wouldn't be what we are. But the fact that there's all of these people who've worked in restaurants that opened their own restaurants and that Indy invested in the cultural trail and that we started developing neighborhoods and all of these things, the stuff that Indy's done has become that thing so we're always talking about how cool India is and trying to get people here and so finally we we're like you know what in order to get people here and so we started asking friends from around the industry we go to some conferences and festivals other places and we're like if we threw a fest in India and invited you to come would you come and they're like we don't sell beer in India and like ah, we don't sell I'm in Arizona right now we don't sell beer in Arizona but I'm here serving our beer and like we really just want to throw a party and have our friends come and hang out and so that was kind of one of the impetuses for it the other one was to get people out to try beers in cans and realize that can craft beer can can be really, really good. And then the third part is is actually for our fest, like there's tons of beer festivals every year throughout Indiana. And in general, I mean, they all have different atmospheres, but for the most part, they almost always have the same beers. So the Canvitational has 60 to 65 breweries. And of those 60 to 65 breweries, 30 of them aren't even available in Indiana. So over half the beers are beers that you just can't get on a regular day. So you have this opportunity to try things from DC Brow and Austin Beer Works and Bagby Beer Company and Firestone Walker and you know all of these different places from all over the country that if you actually went out to try to, to find them or drink them, you would have to go on tons of vacation and then and, and, and travel a lot just to try them so you get to try them and it showcases downtown because it's on georgia street we put everybody up in a hotel who comes out for the weekend and we throw a big party and like when i see people f in my industry that come to our event i see them i still see people and they're like dude canvitational was the best fucking time like that is my favorite beer festival hands down we love it india is so cool because they come and they walk around our city and they try our restaurants and they go to our bars and they have fun and we've got that hoosier hospitality thing that just blows them away yeah people don't ever so. believe that we're genuine i remember we hosted the super bowl i was walking oh, down yeah. massachusetts avenue just to see if anybody had any business going on or whatever and uh there was a dude walking down the sidewalk uh, about in front of Mass Ave Pub, and uh, he was from New York because well, it was the Giants in the Super Bowl that year, right? Um, and uh, he was like, hey, uh, how do I get down to blah, blah, blah? I was like, oh, it's like four and a half blocks down that way, but then you got to take a little jog. I'm like, you know what? I'm going that way. Just walk with me. And I was like, so you coming in from out of town? How's things going? You know, enjoying time? You need, you know, directions to anywhere or whatever? And he turned around and he said, so are like, People in Indiana always this cool, or are you guys just like kissing ass because you have a bunch of like like tourists in town for Everybody the Super Bowl? Everybody was blown away during mm -hmm. the Super yeah. Bowl. Like, I was like, no, it's like this is I'm not treating yeah. you any differently than I would have anybody else that Everybody asked. Everybody I talked to that was here in town for the Super Bowl was like, wow, like yeah. you guys are 
fucking awesome. I think the Super Bowl was a big turning point for the way people view Indianapolis. Now, I thought it was really funny that it was like 50 degrees. <laughs> yeah, so right. People are like, what? This is a Midwest winter? Like, Indianapolis no. is amazing. Yeah, I'm walking think... out in a t-shirt in January. It was insane. So, yeah, it was, it was insane. like, it doesn't really like, do that. Everything came together for us. and But it is. It's such a, it's a cool city. And all of the stuff that's been going on for the last decade. And then you start to go back to some previous mayor. Ballard was an awesome mayor. And he, he did was. a lot of great stuff to really help. And, and before him, some of the other folks that laid a lot of the foundation. But, you know, it's it's a point in time. And I actually talk about this with other folks um, because in people from Indiana tend to have this kind of uh, all shucks Hoosier, very like mild mannered. We don't want to be boastful about what we do. And so that's why people think we're Indiana no place or Naptown and all of these things. But at some point in time, I mean, we've got great farmland and we've got great local producers and we've got great local restaurateurs. We've got a walkable city. We've got a, a cost of living that's super low. We've got all of these great things that make us a super awesome place. And, you know, sometimes you got to stand up and shout like, hey, we're an indie and we're fucking awesome. So you should visit here. But we don't encourage you to move here because we like our low cost of living. We do. <laughs> you know? we do. It's like we need to start an anti uh, campaign sure, here. But like, even that's starting to change with like Salesforce Tower. Oh, and, yeah. You know, right. people, tech companies in California They're are starting flooding to look in. and look at the Midwest and go, wait a second. This is what $300,000 buys you for a home in Indiana? <laughs> I know, Holy right? Jesus. I pay $3,000 a month for my apartment in San Francisco, and it's 600 square feet. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll take that transfer to Indy and work for Salesforce because then I can go on vacation wherever the fuck I want. Yeah, totally, so, man. I have friends in Manhattan that have an apartment that's like 300 square feet. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's my fucking closet. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. For real, man. <laughs> Well, speaking of the beer festivals, I mean, we have the Canvitational here, and you talked a little bit about the uh, 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 Indiana Brewers uh, Cup or yeah. at mm-hmm. the uh, State Fair. But, I mean, on a national level, you guys have earned quite yeah. a few uh, medals at the Great American Beer Fest, which I think probably yeah. nearly every one of our listeners is familiar with. Yeah. Well, it's it's another thing in that, that, that conversation we just had is a good segue because we've actually been, I mean, we're like, hey, we won some medals and then we put them up on our wall and we never talk about them again. We've actually started to, uh, particularly, you know, we, we distribute beer. So in our ABPs with our distributor this year, we're like, put up the list of awards and every one of them is like, Holy shit! And so you like know, Sturgill Simpson outside of the uh, outside of the outside Grammy, of the, Grammy with, with, with the Country Music Awards. And he had, a, out he had there. his Grammy out I there. Love that. Um, so Sturgill Simpson, somebody who's played Sun King. He sat I know right that. Here. I can't sat believe right here that. in this room. Really? Um, yeah. Totally. God. Sat right here in this room and ate uh, Bazbo's Pizza and Goose the Market charcuterie and drank some whiskey and shot the shit. Miss, so, missed my shot at that show because um, I'm like, I don't think he's gonna be playing too many more no, breweries. We couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Um, Shit, I was off on something. Uh, oh, medals. So, so Great American Beer Festival. We won two just this year. Um, in the last, since we've opened, we've won twenty GABF and World Beer Cup medals. And the World Beer Cup is basically just the Great American Beer Festival, but it opens up to breweries throughout the world. So we've won awards at both of those. But uh, we and we hold the we hold the record for the most gold medals won in one single uh, GABF. We won four gold medals in 2011, and wow. that, the four gold medals were out of eight medals total. So we actually hold the record for most medals from a single brewery won in any given year and the most gold medals won by a single brewery in any given year. Very cool. And then we won some other medals here and there, you know. And I know that you go out to Colorado a lot anyway, so that's just a good reason to... Uh-huh. Yeah, chuck yeah. up another trip yeah. for business. If, if we could one day, if we could sell beer in Colorado, I would really like that. I keep pushing for it. It seems very far away, but we actually got a nice following of people who love us. It's Denver and Indianapolis have a lot of similar people. There's a lot of indie expats that live in yeah. Colorado, so there's a big similarity. It seems like a lot of people in Denver are, are, are they're not from mm-hmm. Denver. You know, they're from. Yeah, it's hard other, to find in the natives, right? From other cities mm-hmm. that have relocated to to go to Denver. Additionally, on top of that, I mean, so the you guys did a collab with, with Oscar Blues, mm-hmm. which I thought that was a real cool way to do a collaboration because, again, you're not distributed in Colorado, and Oscar mm-hmm. Blues at that time was, was not, not available in Indiana. Yep. So even though you had, you guys were separately brewing the beer in mm-hmm. your respective facilities, and then even the packaging was different. Yeah, that was actually, that was a cool project that we worked on. Again, it's back to that innovation piece, but so we have a, we have a, a 
bourbon barrel aging program or spirit barrel aging program. So we age beers. If you give us a, if you give us a spirit barrel, um, whether it be bourbon, whiskey, rum, gin, um, tequila, mezcal, whatever it is, we'll put beer in it and we'll age it. And we'd like to figure out what beer really pairs well with it. Plus we also have a sour program or a wild fermentation program. The majority of that's in wine barrels, um, and in like 500 liter Hungarian oak barrels and some French oak. So we'll check that out before you get out of here. But so we got a lot of barrels and, but we didn't have a way to actually package them because um, our canning line at the time, even though it was pretty small and pretty slow, um, was too fast to package like 50 gallons of product. Um, so we needed the, the ability to do something smaller and uh, uh, Ball, our, our metal packaging manufacturer, um, <laughs> if you'll remember, harking back to the Ball plant. Um, they, <laughs> the the they, Ball plant. They make, uh, they make what essentially is the Coors Light uh, aluminum bottle, that twist off bottle can. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we have that dedication to aluminum and I actually had a conversation with Dave. I'm like, we have all these small batch beers, like can we just put them in like big fancy bottles and sell them? And he's like, no. And I'm like, why? Like we don't have a way to sell like our 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 smallest package, smallest volume, like highest value beers. And so, and he's like, well, if we put them in glass, we preach the gospel of why cans are better for beer. So if we put them in glass, then we're hypocrites. And I'm like, oh, God damn it, you're right. So anyway, we realized that Ball made that package. So we approached them about getting into it. Um, and they, they were interested. Um, and we had some conversations and went radio silent. And then back to that 2011, when we won those eight medals. Actually, the Monday after we won those eight medals, I got a voicemail from a guy at Ball that's like, hey, Clay, this is Dan at Ball. And we really wanted to pick up that conversation about getting you into this, uh, <laughs> this package we made. Um, so we started talking to them and they were like, yeah, well, we did, we did this project. We started canning craft beer with Oscar blues. And I was like, we've wanted to do a beer with them. And my buddy works there. So we just called my buddy and set up a breakfast with Dale. And it was actually my, we, we sat down and, and talked about it. It was my dad, my sister and myself. And then my buddy, uh, Dave, who worked at Oscar blues at the time and Dale and, and their guy, Jeremy, who's kind of their innovation guy. And we're all sitting around the table, having, having brunch at their, their place in Lyon or in, in Longmont, Colorado talking about it and then just like out of nowhere Dale goes fuck it we're in and I was like huh it's like we're gonna do it I'm like okay so we got together and basically we worked with Ball and Oscar Blues to create a small scale packaging machine um, with the with a canning manufacturer and Ball to make a small scale thing because the only machines at that time it did 300 cans a minute so it was like a six month process I got to go to Colorado every month to work on development on it and at the end of the day we got a line that actually is packages six cans a minute and only takes six people to operate. Um, <laughs> but it allows us to do our smallest end packaging in these yeah. really cool resealable aluminum bottles. And to this date, uh, Miller Coors, who are one company now, um, Oscar Blues, Sun King, um, and there's a brewery in Montana called Phillipsburg Brewing. And those are the only four breweries in America that have access to that package and the packaging ability to use it. That's super so, cool. Yeah. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> he's falling asleep on my innovation story. Yeah. No, usually, it's, usually it's, this is I the part that he's most cool. interested in. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's super awesome. It's, it's great. I'm good. It was just fun to be able to like work on a project, and we actually took the original two-head manual canner that Oscar Blues started the craft canning revolution in. And actually, this is one of my favorite stories because it's was that Dale told me. So uh, Cask Brewing Systems is this Canadian manufacturer there in Calgary, Alberta. And... Um, they used to, this was in the 90s when Dale started canning, they started a fax campaign. So in Canada, Canada, they used to have U-Brew stores and you would campaign? package a fax. So they had U-Brew stores and so you could fax. bottle your beer, but Canadians go fishing and hunting and hiking a lot. And so they made this little manual canner for U-Brew stores and you'd basically go in, you'd brew five gallons of homebrew, they'd put it in cans for you. And that was the only machine they had. It was this really simple little unit. And they, they realized, hey, American- He said unit. Yeah. They said, hey, American craft You've beer. You've like regressed to like age four today. American craft beer has <laughs> is, is become really popular. And I think that cans would be great for it. So they started sending fax messages to breweries around the country about using their canning system in it. And Dale was telling me, he's like, we just kept getting these fax messages from these fucking Canadians about putting our can, our beer in cans. And one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking call them and see what it's all about. Like, I like to go biking and hiking and cans would probably be pretty cool. So like the whole craft can revolution got kicked off because of a fax campaign that went out a fax meal and for those of you born <laughs> after like 1995 you're gonna have to google what a yeah, fax google is that's fax that's f-a-x uh, <laughs> like literally I, I, it drives me crazy whenever somebody's like 
It's always the government, right? Like oh, yeah, I have to you fill have out to a form. Like, information. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't some had a kind fax of machine in twenty years. I've had that. I'm like, can I just scan it and send you a PDF? Like, no, it has to be faxed. Faxed, right? No, who, who? Like, we don't even have faxes at my office. No, and, and I work for like an eight billion dollar company, and like, we don't. No, we don't have any of that shit. Yeah, no. Hello, you, fax. It, it right, That's right. what I use. Hello, you fax. Go. You scan you said it. Ninety five. That, that was the year I graduated high school. Yeah, no, no faxes. It, it, uh, no, no more, it's no a ridiculous yes technology. At yeah. this point, I'm like everything's electronic. Yeah. Why would you? And it all comes out grainy. It's like, all the, it's all government offices mm-hmm. now, though. I've never had anybody request a fax other than a government office. Mm-hmm. Comes and, out grainy. Yeah, grainy. like it's well, pixelated it's, and grainy. Yeah. It doesn't. It's you don't not get a, like a good high resolution. Yeah. I would never fax you a picture of Ed. It just really wouldn't turn out. It wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't give you all of the beauty. <laughs> Seriously, the full glory of that <laughs> <Yeah>. hair and beard. <laughs> And you can't fax any of the essence of Satan. It just doesn't come through. Well, you know, we try to broadcast the essence of Satan. We're, we're still working on it. Um, so you're not available in Colorado, but you are available outside of Indiana. Yeah, last year we uh, we launched Chicago and Louisville. Uh, so we kind of bled across the state. We hit this point, again, continuing to grow and invest in infrastructure. We got to a point finally where we, we, we were always behind the gun. And at certain points in time, we stopped taking new customers for a while. I remember that. Um, we at one point in time actually were in most of the state and we told the rest of the state that we couldn't sell them beer anymore. And we pulled back to central Indiana. That made people really mad. Yeah, it did. So it really mad. I mean, I've had reps still go to places in northern Indiana and they're like, you, you, you 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 left like you were here and we sold your beer and it was on our menus and then you just stopped selling us beer and we're never going to sell your beer again and they're like do you, you do understand that like we did it because we had to change the state law and da, 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 and they just like were hurt no. so hurtful no. we pulled out yeah. and they were so sad so you're um, in Chicago and Louisville but uh, does that mean that's available in additional places other than uh, in, no, I mean in ju- Kentucky or Illinois much or just the cities right now just the cities. we may fill a little bit in in some other areas of those places but we kind of hit that point where this year. We had enough infrastructure. We're like, holy crap, for the first time ever, we can actually make more beer than we are selling. So what do we want to do? And we we get hit by distributors all over the place. I mean, we've had distributors from every state of the union um, and, and, and most a lot of countries, like Asian countries and throughout Europe that are like, hey, we'd love to have your beer. Um, we actually had a, a people who run a series of luxury resorts in Mexico were in town for some for the race. This I was going to ask, and that they loved pachanga. They were so like, "This the, is the best Mexican lager. We want to we want to buy container loads of this for our Mexican resorts." And we're like, "We can't make, I, we can't do that. I, it just doesn't work. We don't have the capacity." That would for feel that. so weird going to Mexico and drinking a Mexican style lager <laughs> made in Indiana. Made in Indiana, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Um, right? No, I love it. I love it. So, so yeah, so we've got we've got we got Chicago and Louisville as cities. And like the, our distributors there, we, we vetted them over a period of time and made sure we had good good relationships. But they were like, we have people who go into bars and restaurants. So the, the kind of the convincing factor at the end of the day, there are a couple of things. And it's, you know, one is that there's a lot of bleed over from Southern Indiana and Louisville. So sure. people who live in Southern Indiana, when they go out, they go to Louisville. And so people are going out, they're buying our beer in, in, in liquor stores or right. bars and restaurants on this side. And they go and they ask for our beer and it's just not there. So missed right. opportunity. Same thing with Chicago. Um, yeah, for those of you outside of Indiana, like literally the only separation between Indiana and Louisville, like downtown Louisville is a river. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, it's a, it's a 10 minute drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's a 10 minute drive. Uh-huh. And same thing really with Indiana or Northern Indiana, yeah. Chicago. And there's some cool stuff happening on the Indiana side of the river now, but yeah. there's a ton happening on the other side of the river. So, and that's why I like, I went down and explored Louisville and I'm like, holy shit, Louisville's awesome. It's a beautiful uh-huh. town. I mean, they, that yeah, riverfront going on mm-hmm. and they, it's, you know, it's an older city. They've kept, they've really cleaned up that river, riverfront area. Yeah. Downtown's happening. Yeah, they're dropping a whole new convention center in that whole yeah. like avenue right there. They're doing a new convention center, a new Omni Hotel, and within the next two or three years, downtown Louisville is yeah. gonna. It's not hard to find itself. bourbon there either. You've got <laughs> home, home. like Fourth Street down. Uh, town Bloomington is horrible. Like it's, it's just all like mass Bloomington, market. Louisville, uh, uh, Louisville. Oh, Louisville. Thank you. Is that the uh, real touristy yeah, section? Yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. a Guy Fieri or Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's horrible. If that tells you anything. But there's a bar like AKA like Flavor Town. One Fourth Street away. is Flavor Town. It it definitely is. <laughs> but there's a bar that's like a block away. I think it's like Third Street Dive Bar. Is like the name of it. The and dive bars. Oh, it, it's awesome. And I was there one night, and there was a buddy of mine who was in town, uh, Anthony Moss. Uh, Anthony 
Moss, who's brilliant. He's he's an amazing wine professional. He's a master of wine. Um, just an absolute, you know, freak and, and an extremely knowledgeable person. And we were sitting there and we were having a drink and they were doing karaoke night and it was really, really, really bad. And this guy was up on stage and he was singing, um, oh, who, uh, Tom Petty. Uh, he died recently, he right? Did. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this. Huh? Yeah. Like last well, episode the, the, or two weeks. Yeah, with, with Brother Cleve. He fucking died this year. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, um... He was singing along to this song, and it was like, you know... Uh, Only the Losers? No, it was the the one that, that throws out Indiana. Oh, oh Last uh, Dance, last with, dance Mary with Mary Jane. Jane. Yep. Yeah, and when it got to the point to where it was like, um, you know, she's a good girl, you know, loves Crazy Jesus, about Elvis, yeah. right, uh-huh. all that stuff. And he stopped on stage and was like, he... She loves America. Fuck yeah. And he threw that out. Like he improv that shit. Did the crowd go wild? (laughs) My buddy who was from England went wild. I mean, it was was hilarious. It was the the most awesome thing I'd ever heard. But that was the third street. So I don't don't karaoke much, but we have our holiday party this afternoon. We did an employee poll to see what people wanted. And they chose DJ and karaoke. I hate karaoke. Uh, (laughs) They they did ask, were you uh up front with it when I walked in? Oh, they uh, thought you were the DJ. They thought I was the DJ. I went out out to the parking lot. I was like, we're going to be listening to fucking black metal. You have have one milk crate (laughs) with like microphones and something in it. That would be awesome if you were a DJ. Yeah, I was just, I got this. I brought my iPod and my, my boombox speaker. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally going to tear it up. I have a Bluetooth speaker. Uh-huh. And my my, my boombox. Uh-huh. Get ready so, for it. But I got a really good karaoke tip the other day from somebody who just said that uh, he's got a friend and like he's got one song that he just totally kills it. He's got a buddy and his one song is a boy named Sue, which would actually be a really good one to kill. You just have to know the lyrics. You oh, don't man. have to sing. Um, and then, But if you just have one song, that way when you end up in that situation where people are like, you got to do karaoke, you got to do karaoke, you just go up and you fucking sing slay whatever that Man. one song is who i managed who, 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 johnny cash yeah johnny cash uh-huh. i managed sports bars for 10 years and that's what fucking everyone does is like, it boy and sue no or, oh they, they, they've got one the song. one song and so we had it twice a week and i had to listen to the exact same it was this fucking playlist it was like yeah. i knew that what the 30 songs oh. were gonna be saying i knew who was gonna sing what and oh. i was like if i hear that set dude sing oh, no. that tool song again oh, i'm gonna no. fucking I'm looking uh, at you. Wow, that sounds like hell. It was, uh, yeah, I Somebody was, was instrumental. Yeah, not well. To think and, you could have been stuck there for like and the rest I was of your instrumental life in middle management in like, a sports bar with karaoke. Oh, God. I, 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 I worked very hard to get the owner to like cancel the karaoke. I was like, it's not bringing us money. It might have been. I don't know. But I just didn't want to listen to that shit anymore. No, it's terrible. Before yeah. we wrap up, though, I definitely want to talk about oh. your new project. Oh. I think that's where Arthur was probably going as well. Yeah, um, I feel like we need like four hours because whenever I we, talk to Ed, I could talk for days at a time anyway. So and, and you he, too, and he, actually none of us stay on point at all. So I think talker. that I didn't answer half of the questions because we went me. on a tangent. Well, you, so. you're getting ready to start distilling. We are. That's it. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and that's a wrap. <laughs> Yeah, this get the kid, get the DJ out. Guess, so, um, <laughs> All right. So uh, obviously, you guys don't need to distill, but you're acquiring the license. Yeah, and we going want. down that pathway, and I assume you're going to start with like vodka and gin and clear spirits because aged spirits well, require a little bit of overhead and everything. But yeah, are you thinking like? Rum, whiskey, down the so line? The, the simplest answer is actually anything but vodka. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, my partner Dave is... ABV. Yeah. Anything but vodka. There you go, yeah. Uh, my partner Dave, uh, who is still our head brewer, and uh, and really he's kind of... He's, he went to distilling school in Kentucky when they have the Distilled Spirits Epicenter, which is also called Moonshine University, which I prefer to call it. Um, but, it's, but, but it is it is run it is run by like uh, retired master distillers from Woodford and Beam and and Jack and and all of these various places, um, and and they have working stills and you you work and you run. So he's been through. Uh, their first level and their second level program to kind of get an idea. Cause I guess the, the thing that started it was the realization that I never knew, even though I've been in craft beer for 20 years is that in order to make any spirit, you have to ferment it first. So, you know, I, I didn't get that, mm-hmm. that, that hook. And, and so maybe about, 
it, shortly after Sun King started, because I pulled my dad out of retirement at 70 to be the business mind behind Sun King, and he ran, helped us run our company and gave us a crash course in business for the first seven years. And he was a spirits guy, not a beer guy. He got into beer while traveling and being in the Northwest and seeing what craft beer could be. He was actually in Oregon, and he would call me from different breweries. He's like, holy shit, you would never believe what's going on at Rogue, or I'm at this place, and I just had this lager, and it's amazing. And, you know, craft beer, like, I had no idea, because it's not, it didn't exist here like it does there. Um, so he was a spirits guy. When we all realized this, it's like, holy crap. And so we talked about it, and we realized that it was actually illegal in Indiana to own a brewery or a winery and a distillery. So we thought that was bullshit. Um, so we, we've changed, like, five state laws in our eight-year tenure. Um, and so that was one of the laws that we helped change. And uh, and so my dad and Nick Floyd from Three Floyds got together um, and, and actually were the voices that would go to the state house and talk to legislature, legislators and worked on this law that became the Indiana Craft Distillers Bill. Um, and once it got passed, we were like, okay, that's great. And my dad's like, all right, we got this law passed. We got to distill. And we're like, we can't distill. Like, we still can't make enough beer for Indiana. So we're really good at making beer but we don't really know that much about distilling, so we can't put our efforts that direction. So it's been five years. We kind of, we're trying to figure out when and where and how, and again, we got to the point where we can make more beer than we can actually, like we, we can make more beer than we need to right now, so we have got capacity, so we don't have to work on infrastructure in our brewery. Um, we been talking with over time some various different developers um so I, one of the funny things is that like 10 years ago i was like scraping it together to try to find investors to give me a half million dollars to open a brewery and now i could walk out on the street and have somebody offer me five million to do a project and it's crazy because i still don't have shit you know it's like <laughs> but they're like hey you did this thing and it's super successful so hey what about this and banks are like can i offer you i rip up things in my mailbox every every week that are like here's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of available capital i'm like don't need your quarter of a billion dollars you got to show those five million dollar so, investors the original business plan that says you're not going to get your money gonna, back <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to keep um, spending it but <laughs> but you know so so as we've grown we get hit with by developers and the 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 project that we're doing is in midtown carmel on the north side of indy indy um and it's an affluent suburb if you're not from this area um it's kind of been reinventing and developing itself over the years and uh there's a whole area that's like 1980s industrial um it had a lumber yard and some other stuff there's a water tower but it's off the monon uh which is this like redeveloped trail uh, for biking and walking and all of that and it's in between main street and the palladium which the palladium is like a 14 million dollar arts and music venue that's yeah, it's a great venue. um and so this developer was like hey we really want sun king there and um he they kept talking to us and we're like, ah, you know, I don't know. And finally it got to a point where it was going to be real. And they're like, okay, well, we need to know, would you really be interested? And, you know, you could do what you did in Fishers. So on the northeast side of town, we have a small batch brewery that's 10% the size of our downtown brewery. It's where we do all our R&D. So we brew our core beers and, and, and bigger batch beers here. We can do really small batch stuff so we can play with things and, and come up with new beers. And we're like, well, we don't want to just do that. And it's like, well, hey, if we've got an opportunity in this development, now's the time to do spirits. Um, so it, for, for us, it gives us the opportunity to be more creative, to take some of the stuff that we do as craft brewers and, and move that into the spirits realm. Um, and, and so, you know... I, I've learned a lot more about spirits over the years. So we're, we're not doing vodka because vodka is so specific as to what you have to do. You can't compete in the vodka market because you can, if you're a vodka drinker, you can go to Costco and buy a handle of Kirkland for $19.99. And there's just, there's no glory in vodka. There's not really any creativity or fun in vodka. To, to quote my partner, Dave, when he talks to people, he says, basically vodka has to come off the column at a very specific point. Um, and so vodka has very specific parameters and you have to distill it multiple times. So you're working three to five times as hard to make something that tastes like nothing so that people can put in something that tastes like something so they can have a drink that they'll enjoy. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's one hell of a quote. Huh? So, <laughs> yeah. so that's, he might, he even says it better than I do, but that's kind of my paraphrase of it. So we're like, you know what? We're, we will carry vodka because we'll have a three-way because there are people so out that there. That was an abridged version yeah. of the quote. <laughs> that was, that was, Where's that was, Dave? He's got to be out there. That the employee the version of the quote. So I think we're going to put it into some of our messaging so that everyone on staff is required 
wired to know how to be able to say just that. Um, but when they come in yeah. and say, "Where's the uh -huh. Sun King vodka?" Uh -huh. You're like, "Well, we don't have that for one reason." Uh -huh. Here then, you go. Now we don't like to belittle people, so we'll carry other people's vodka. We'll pick somebody else's vodka, and we'll have a vodka. So if you really need to have your vodka soda or vodka tonic or whatever it is, you can have it because we don't want to tell you you can't or turn away your money. But we are going to make more specifically. We're going to start off with whiskey, um, and actually we're going to start off with whiskey. We're going to drop it into barrels, and those barrels will get tapped over time. Um, you know, we definitely are going to make sure that we have some barrels of whiskey that we don't open until our 10-year distillery anniversary. Um, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because I, I know you guys will do an awesome job when it comes to, to your spirits because you guys do an awesome job at everything. But I look at your branding and Sun King and the whole like Aztec, Zopatec, you know, Maya thing you guys are playing off of. You guys kind of have to do something that involves agave. You oh, yeah. Know, like so we'll do an agave spirit for sure. Um, we're going to do rum. Um, but, like, the people I've talked to that have imported, like, agave syrup to do, mm -hmm. like, a, an American version of, of tequila and mezcal has not, like, done... It's, it's not, re like, really shined. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I guess, regardless of what we're going to make, the thing that I think that is going to make it unique and interesting and worth checking out and again we're, we're really doing the caramel distillery as a we want people to come to the space it's a 14,000 square foot building mm -hmm. only about 1400 square foot of it's the distillery but it's going to have four food concepts in it um wow. it's gonna it's gonna have a rooftop bar it's got a downstairs it's nothing like we've done before like and honestly i mean you guys have been here over the years and ed's been here before it was even we were even operating and like when you walked into our tasting room today you're like Holy shit. And I keep telling people, I'm like, when you think about Sun King one year ago or five years ago, I mean, we have a ton of people who used to come here five years ago that don't come here anymore because they don't want to drink. You know, we used to just sample beer and they're right. like, oh, I want to drink a beer. Well, we've had beer, pints of beer for two years and then we reinvest in tasting room upgrades and all these things. But like what Sun King is today is... I mean, we stay to our, true to our core values, but what we will look like a year from now by the time right. we have this distillery and we added a food concept into this tap room, we're working on Fishers and reinventing that and adding food concepts because people want to at least have a bite of food while they drink. And honestly, it's safer. So we're, we're completely changing how we do it, our level of service while keeping true to kind of to our roots of things. But the thing with the spirits that I think is unique for us um, is we're going to bring things from our craft brewer toolkit um, that don't really exist or play in the spirits world as much. So when I visit distilleries, we'll talk to them and they're like, you have to turn your brewer brain off. Like that's not important, but some of it is important. Like with our rum, we'll go all the way to Muscovado sugar and some other really exotic sugars. Um, we're not going for the cheapest sugar source. Um, we're going to play with some interesting ingredients. The thing I'm most excited about, we've got some local foragers tapped and we're going to do a line of seasonal botanical gins. Um, with local with local stuff so you know we have these opportunities to actually play with we've got some Indiana farmers who are going to grow heirloom corn for us for our whiskey and we're going to get to pick the corn varieties that they are going to grow that will then and I as a craft brewer That's I think awesome. that I think that there is something to be said about choosing a really unique heirloom variety of corn and that at the end of the day you're going to get that character at least some hint of it is there a particular, uh, and it, all that sounds absolutely fascinating. I think it's, it's, it's awesome, and I would expect nothing less. Um, is there a particular spirit that you dig on? Like, are you a rum guy, a bourbon guy, um, a I, mezcal guy? I tried to be a bourbon guy for a long while, but I found out that it just makes me ornery. Um, so it doesn't, you know, there's... As opposed to all the beer. Yeah. Well, no, but it, it is, I mean, I'm a... I, I'm I'm an aficionado of sorts. I might even be considered an expert. And it's interesting because I like to like when we come up with new beers. We got a new IPA that's coming out, and we've got three different ver hop varieties of of it that we're playing with that are on tap right now. And I it is my effort to drink four or five of them and see how they make me feel and how they make me feel in the morning because I want to drink beer that makes me feel good. Um, and so there, I feel different when I when I get buzzed on Pachanga than I do on Wemac, than I do on Osiris, than I do on Sunlight, um, as I do on gin or I used to love gin. I kind of have stayed away from it. I've gotten back into gin a little <laughs> bit in cocktails because I was that college kid who, you know, 32 ounce G and T's in the summertime nice. and, and that, that got some really painful hangovers. But yeah, uh, um, so I do like rum again, the agave spirit I think is great because I really like tequila drinks. Um, you just segued right into the end. 
<laughs> yeah, there we go. I really like tequila drinks. <laughs> uh, well, oh, what's the end? Well, the end is we always ask everybody, uh, what are your hangover cures? Besides, like, field testing and lab testing, like, uh, well, after I drink 14 of these, this so, is how I feel in the morning. Tomorrow I'm going to drink 14 of these and see as, how I feel. As a 20-plus year industry vet um, and a man whose wife is a holistic health practitioner. I was going to say, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do have some secrets. Um, oh, yeah? But, uh, you know, when it, it's particularly when it comes to beer drinking because there's so much liquid involved, and actually any alcohol drinking, um, when I travel and I drink heavily, I, I literally drink a water a water for every alcoholic drink that I have. I piss like a fucking racehorse all the time. I'm like a, it's like I have the bladder of a 12 year old girl and I'm, I pee a lot, but if I drink a water for every alcoholic beverage that I have, and a lot of times, especially if I'm having cocktails, I'll do soda water as a side. Um, but if I drink water for every, every, every drink, then I feel a lot better in the morning. I recently, um, there's a, a local girl uh, who has a company called Flow. Um, they sell at the Indie Winter Farmer's Market, and she does, like, uh, herbal botanicals. They're, like, smell-good stuff, like cologne or perfume type things. But she has a liver tonic that she makes. and it oh, has I a, need it, that. It has, a, it has a mix of these various different little herbs, and she gave it to me. And, like, when you open new markets or, you know, you travel and you visit restaurants or you go visit these bar concepts and you end up or you go visit rum producers and you're like, oh crap, I know that I'm going to be on for like four days. And so she's got this crazy little tonic and it's got some various uh, botanicals in it. And you do like a couple drops behind your ears and then you rub it in where your kidneys are, just like a drop or two in the back. And I started, I used that when I went out of town recently and I was honestly amazed. It actually made me feel. It um, definitely I was like, huh. sounds like you have a wife who is into holistic. Oh, practices. totally. Totally. So, um, so yeah, that's, so I use herbal it's, botanicals. It's Do you know if that's effort. available online? Uh, I don't know. Let me. I can check. Um, it's all right. Just check it out. Indie Winter is, Farmers is Market. First, for sure. This is the first kidney rub Kid we've had. <laughs> it is the first yeah. kidney rub. So so it's you know and and she's like my boyfriend. My boyfriend drinks and you know I kind of made it for him and uh, but he really liked it so uh, I was like I'll give it a shot. Add it to the book. Um, I'll shoot it intravenously. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's not designed for that. Where can, where can people find Sun King online? So Sun King, you can find Sun King online at sunkingbrewing.com um, or sunkingbrewery.com or sunkingspirits.com, but they all direct to the same place since all one site run under Sun King Brewing. Sure. Uh, the So the website has, obviously, we got a store where we sell swag. We can't legally ship beer, so if you want our beer, you either have to be in Indiana, uh, Chicago, or Louisville um, to get our beer. But if you are in Indianapolis, we have a downtown tasting room. We've got a Fisher's tasting room and soon to be a Carmel Tap Room and distillery. So is it um, Louisville or Kentucky? Louisville, Kentucky. It's just Louisville. So just we're, Louisville. we're right now we're just Louisville and just Chicago. Um, we're talking with folks and looking at, you know, Louisville, we're looking at going over towards Lexington and maybe up towards Newport, um, you know, because again, Get the Cincinnati yeah, market over over time. I think that, you know, we were all Indiana all the time. And actually, for a long time, we were like, we're all Indiana all the time. And that's the only place we're ever going to sell beer. And we grew and grew and grew. And we actually got to a point where it's like, okay, wait, you know, I'm not saying that we maxed out. There's there's still room for growth, but the room for growth is now um, changing people's drinking habits and and what they consume. You know, Indiana has the largest share of consumers who drink Bud Miller and Coors products. So of all of the three light beers, more the largest percentage of it consumed is, is consumed in Indiana over any other state. Do you know so, we also have more meth labs than anyone else in yeah, the I'm country? I'm not surprised by we that. Are, we are winning. Yeah, yeah um, we're, we, lots we're, of Bud, uh, Coors, and meth. So, Come on to Indiana. You know, we, <laughs> we would we would always uh, New Glarus in Wisconsin is a brewery that sells only beer in Wisconsin, and uh, they're awesome too. They are awesome. Last year they sold like three hundred thousand barrels of beer. We sold thirty. Jesus. So they're ten times the size that we are. And that's one of the funny things people. It's also like, Wisconsin yeah, though, where is. like so you're born in, with a beer. Yeah, in Indiana, Indiana, <laughs> the the numbers the numbers came out recently, and you're the born with a beer. the typical twenty one plus consumer in Indiana drinks. 1.5 gallons of craft beer a year. The typical Wisconsin consumer, uh, I think the number is like six gallons or seven <laughs> gallons a year. It's like three, four times the amount of beer that we do. And we're like, oh shit, like in, outside of an entire sea change of getting more people to actually drink craft beer in Indiana, if we want to sell more beer, we're going to have to sell it in places where other places, right. and, you know, and there are other places where people want our beer. So, because it's good beer. I like it. 
Well, you guys have been killing it. Thank you Thanks. so much for coming on the show, You're man. Welcome. Like, for I know me. we've been waiting for a while to like figure out a good time for you because you travel so much, and you know we are lazy to call people. Well, <laughs> but of uh, speaking of uh, of websites and such, you can always reach us uh, or find us at shiftdrinkpodcast.com. We just recently put up our holiday gift guide. Um, Arthur had some really awesome wine recommendations. I branched out a little bit and did some. Uh, Bar tools, uh, uh, some other like apparel, things like that. So I, I stayed away from anything uh, t- too dark. Well, there was the Metal Blade Records uh, book and collection, but um, but yeah, and uh, at uh, shiftdrinkpodcast.com. We're shiftdrink podcasts on all social media except for Twitter, which is uh, shifting school drink. So I presume you're Sun King Brewing. On- Sun King Brewing on all this stuff, all, all so the above. All the stuff is Sun King Brewing. So sweet. Well, again, thank you very much, Clay. Happy to be here. Check out Sun King. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Appreciate it, guys. Salute.